Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Hey, BD1. I'm Cal. A Utini Podcast Network production. Careful over there. That doesn't look safe. Bonus episode. Interview with Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars author, Sam Maggs. You want to meet some uh, friends of mine? And now, here's your host, Eric Eilerson. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Living Force Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me uh, to talk all about the newest Star Wars novel, Jedi Battle Scars, is the writer with a link tree of order links longer than a Star Wars crawl, because she writes everything. It's Sam Meggs. Welcome to the show. Hi. I love that. It's so, so true, Bessie. It's so true. You're, you're, I, I, I gotta say, usually I say, like, writer of blank to start off, but, I mean, if you guys have read a comic or a book or in anything, you've probably seen Sam's name uh, in the last few years. You have been busy, uh, but you wrote a whole Star Wars book in the middle of it. Oh my gosh, I sure did, and it was a delight and a pleasure anytime I get to play in the Star Wars world, it is uh, like the best possible thing that could happen to me. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really excited to be here chatting with you about Battle Scars, which I, yes. I can't believe I finally get to share uh, with yeah. the world. It's great. Oh, it's always my favorite thing seeing the, the books, you know, they're, they're in your head for so long. And then like you talk with like Tom and some other folks about them and then the arcs yeah. go out and then finally the floodgates open. And everyone gets to enjoy it. So, I mean, as of, I as of recording in a, about a week or so, this is when it all comes out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a week from today that the yep. book comes out. Mm-hmm. And it does feel really, it's exciting. It's nerve-wracking. Um, so far, people seem to like the book, which is great. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's after it being yours for so long, it suddenly yeah. belongs to other people. And you just kind of have to be like okay be free <laughs> yeah, okay yeah <laughs> you know? like you know, the, the books belong to their readers is the whole john green thing or whatever it may be so yeah, yeah. huge fan of it um but before we jump yeah. into that specifically everyone we're gonna go back in time a little bit uh because sam as i said you've written in almost every medium imaginable through your whole career uh but you began with entertainment journalism which is pretty yeah. rare as far as the authors i get to talk to so um what were some of those early lessons you learned when you were back editing for geeko system which came mary sue uh that you carried later on when you were writing for places like io9 pc gamer guardian what were some of those earliest things you learned one of the best things that came out of writing for the mary sue really early on was the ability to write fast uh you know we had to publish four or five stories a day to uh and it was just it was all about like figuring out I think as writers it's our instinct to be perfectionist it's certainly my instinct Mm -hmm. to be a perfectionist and so digital journalism in the world and climate in which we live (laughs) uh, is very much about like getting as many articles out as possible so you can get those the clicks up and everything um which isn't to say that the content wasn't good uh it often was but it it definitely helped me like get past I had to very quickly get past my like oh I'm gonna agonize over every single word it was just like just put it down and you can fix it after um which is has been a big help for me in general in in my writing because like you know you can't you can't agonize over everywhere you can't edit as you write or nothing will ever get written Uh, so it's a good lesson I think 
And I, and I love that idea, you know, for so many folks that are in the digital space right now, whether it be, you know, writing or any type of content creation, that's such a great thing is that every person says that same thing you mentioned, like, just do it. Just write yeah. the thing, write the draft, film the video, just get it out. Uh, yeah. Because for so many of us, that block is so intense just to get over in the first place. So, Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that idea. And and of course, you, you wrote for so many things in all these sites. You're so well-written and so well-versed. Uh, but of course, a lot of your expertise does come in games. Um, and I wanted to know how you navigated going from that world of writing about games to then, of course, writing for games. You've written for so many places like Anthem, Spider-Man, um, Call of Duty Vanguard, which you see in your background in our call today, and so many places. Um, so how did you kind of navigate that bridge? And were there certain traps that you know you didn't want to fall into since you knew so much about analyzing them from the outside? Yeah, going from uh, writing from like a critical angle to being a creator was really, really interesting. I had created a lot of nonfiction content um, before I moved into games, including a couple of books um, mm -hmm. as well, which is how I sort of ended up meeting a lot of folks in the gaming industry and moving into that world. Uh, folks had read the books that I put out at that time and had seen uh, potential in me, knew I was a big fan, especially of Bioware. And so when a job opened up at Bioware, I, uh, you know, I applied and I did the whole, I did a writing test, which was a, a Twitch game. You had to make a Twitch game set in the Dragon Age universe. Uh, that was my what? application. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Oh to my kind God, of show that's that rad. you understood like the world and branching narrative yeah. and the idea of choices. Um, wow. So that was that was part of the audition process for that job, which was really cool. Uh, wow. I got in at a super, super junior level and I was lucky to have mentors at Bioware who I think are some of like the best in the game at, mm -hmm. at writing for games at all. So that was like, yeah. I was really fortunate. Um, but it was, I had spent so many years analyzing what I did and didn't like about writing in video games that bringing that to the table when I started actually creating was both really really helpful and simultaneously like not helpful at all <laughs> because yeah, I think that sure. a lot of the things where I would be like I don't like this it would be like oh okay well here's the very like mechanical reason why it has to be like that and you'd be like right. oh, okay like when you see behind the curtain a little bit Mm -hmm. um which is not to say that then we didn't try to find solutions to some of those problems right, and et cetera, sure. et cetera. <laughs> but that you know I think that uh there were often like very good and reasonable explanations for like yeah. the things, like, oh, that, okay. the things that I thought were like a problem you know what I mean and so yeah uh but but then of course it, it's also been it has informed the entirety of my career I think in that mm -hmm. a lot of my writing um a lot of my critical writing early on was just about like um, you know, representation of women in gaming, um, yeah. in the way that women interact with each other in game, mm -hmm. female characters interact with each other in games. Um, and I've spent most of my career inside studios fighting for good and better representation for female characters too. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, the thread remains, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and even though you talk so much about Bioware and for, I think a lot of, a lot of our listeners, I assume you're at least familiar with the Dragon Age, the Mass Effects, the Biowares. Um, these games that do have such like awesome female characters throughout their series. Um, and, and I do want to ask, uh, before, before I kind of push us forward, I'd be remiss without asking your Twitch game. You had to do your audition. Did you include any of our favorite Dragon Age characters? Uh, or was it like all new stuff and, or who are some of your favorites? I just got to know personally. 
Oh gosh, I think Varric was in there. I'm pretty sure I included Varric in there. Good. But, but I think I, I <laughs> used like a new quest giver. But I, okay. I'm pretty sure. Oh gosh, favorite Dragon Age characters. Well, I love the Iron Bull. That's oh. that's my dude. Oh my um, gosh. What a what what a what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. Still bitter that Cassandra was not romanceable by a female inquisitor. I'm sorry. Rough choice. Rough that's, choice. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing? Look at what are her. We doing? Just look at her, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and Alistair. I was a real Alistair girly in the first game. So oh, I don't know. God. Maybe that's bad taste. But... Oh, no, it's not true. at all. It's so funny. Origins is still such a, a thing. Like there's so many people are replaying oh, yeah. it over and over, and Alistair is so big. My biggest gaming regret, I think, in my life is not romancing Dorian for some reason. I was just like, oh, no, I'm gonna go yeah. Cassandra. And then for the second I went down the path, because Bioware is great, you're locked in. I'm like all the dialogue I missed out on. All the loving scenes with that mustachioed man. I find it so man. hard to romance Dorian or Bull because I like them together so much that I it makes me feel guilty <laughs> when I romance either of <laughs> them. You're splitting I'm them like, apart. I'm denying them their like, true... <laughs> they're just so I, I just recently started yet another playthrough of Inquisition and I'm finally forcing myself to romance Solus, who I hate. Well, but uh, I figured uh, I should probably damn you egg. So if I that no before I crack him <laughs> open in Dreadwolf, I figured I should <sighs> actually do it. I think that I think that that game will probably be like more satisfying if I enter into it with a character who has romanced him previously. So I was God, like, it's no. devastating even to imagine uh, the the depths of that. I never played Trustcaster too. That was one of my things. Is that oh I downloaded God, it too late? So good, and I need to. And because I, I, I like this, the, all the it's so good. Oh, and the fact that he's voiced by Yano from Torchwood. I, mean, I go on and on and on, on forever about all of the Dragon Age love. This is it's so real though. Anyway, oh my gosh. this should become the whole podcast. <laughs> Don't get ready. Me, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh my Sorry gosh. Sorry uh, to our listeners. <laughs> a pre-order, Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Uh, it's going on some I mean, truly, yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe. God, I hope yeah, so. Hey, yeah, hey, a, a friend of the show, George Mann, wrote a, a, a comic a prequel to Dreadwolf. So there you go. It all ties back oh, into Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So, perfect. There we go. Um, so, but speaking of IPs from comics, look at the segues just come right in. Uh, you've written yes. for a ton of them. Um, Critical Role, Rick and Morty, My Little Pony, Transformers, Transformers, Invader Zim, to name a bunch. Um, so what do you think it's specifically about this type of IP work that lends itself to comics? Because um, I feel like comics and IP have been linked almost even more so than like your traditional prose novels. Like, what is it about the artist-writer collaboration that really makes IP work in comics as a medium for you? Such an interesting question. I mean, I think that it's what I like about making comics most of, of any medium, which is exactly what you were saying. It's that like a really happy medium to <laughs> So to speak, it's a happy medium of collaboration where making novels yeah. is great, but it is really solitary. It's like me and Tom making this book, yeah. you know, and that, that's kind of it. Video games is like me and 300 of my closest friends <laughs> all trying to make the same thing yeah. at the same time, which is really difficult. Um, it's like a great challenge, but it's mm -hmm. it is. And like games necessarily are not a story or writing first medium necessarily mm -hmm. i think that's changing a little bit now but at the end of the day yeah. like the game has to be fun to play and feel good first right. and if the story doesn't serve that then it's not doing its job um right as opposed to like a book or a comic where the narrative is like comes first is primary you know mm -hmm. um not i think in a comic art is primary but like the story still is the 
like the pitch comes first, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's no mechanics, there's no engine, there's none of that, right? Right. And so I think that it's a cool place. It's a cool space to play in for IP because a lot of these IPs come from TV and like they come from visual mediums to begin with. So comics give us that visual still, but they do so without the limitations of the budget or technology that are inherent in games and TV and movies. I can ask my artists. They might be mad, but I can ask my artists to draw anything. (laughs) It's not a conversation between two people doesn't cost anymore or isn't anymore quote unquote difficult. I mean, I, I understand that. How many horses are there? Yeah. Yeah. But like, (laughs) if you know, on a, on a technical, like I'm saying this badly, but like, no, you can yeah, draw yeah, it gotta... still. You can still yeah, draw definitely. it. Same pencil. You know what I mean? Yep. Like as yeah, opposed exactly. to, um, you know, a game that can't handle more than two rigs on the screen at the same time or in a meltdown yeah. or whatever, or like a VFX shot that's super expensive. And so I think it's, it lets like your imagination really run free in comics, which is cool. I mean, the, the same can be said of novels, but I think there is a cool aspect of the visual medium with comics that is important in IP. Yeah, I, and I, I love that idea, and it's obviously, you know, we, we've seen it tried to be replicated so much over the last few decades with, like, Marvel and stuff, really trying yeah. to bring that scope, and I think that's where, you know, if some folks have, like, criticisms of comic stories going into other mediums, it's way, it's way harder to do that, to say, when I read Civil War in college, I opened up the double-page spread, and it's every hero that's ever existed, totally. and it was great, and Endgame was like, yeah, this is it, but that cost... A, how many people's yearly salaries for the, the most money shot, in the world you know? yeah absolutely yeah. You, you know exactly what i'm saying you hear yeah, me. oh yeah yeah, yeah. and and, and yeah. you know when we get to these other ips like you can take those from the screen put them in the comic and it is kind of like getting our extra episodes i think that you know comics yeah. like the like the avatar uh last airbender comics have been so great oh my god yes. they've been like cool we're gonna continue zuko and ang's story even though we're getting more which is great but yes. like those comics did such a great job um and yeah, if you listen yeah. to read comics also, everyone, if you haven't read a comic in a while, read comics. They're awesome. So much good stuff out there. I love it. Um, so now, speaking of IP, let's do the thing. Star Wars is the big thing here today, obviously. So I know you're going to be asked this by everyone, uh, possibly for the rest of your life, but at least this month. <laughs> um, what was it like that first day you found out? Sam Eggs, you're going to write Battle Scars. It was so exciting. I got the email from Tom pretty much out of the blue. Uh, I had many, many months, probably years earlier. The second I finished Fallen Order, I remember tweeting, like, let me write the Marin book. <laughs> like, right away. Because I was, yeah. like, instantly obsessed with her, like most people who play the game, I think. Of course. <laughs> immediately taken by her and wanted more of her. And there was too little mm-hmm. of her in the game. And, like, mm-hmm. I was just like, Bleh. Um, Mm -hmm. and I got this email from Tom kind of out of the blue. I later found out that he had been like, there's only one person to write this book and it's Sam Mags. And when she says no, then we'll find somebody else. But I got that email from him. I know. (laughs) I know. He put up with a lot of garbage from me. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) He's a real hero. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, but I got the email and I was like, oh my God, because I, I love Star Wars. I've been a fan my whole life, but like truly if there was any character any um like group of characters that i would want to work with more than any other in the universe it would be these characters and so i was just like i was floored i like got on the phone with my agent right away and i was like whatever they want i'll do it like make it happen (laughs) i don't care when they need the book how fast they need it like 
it was uh I was so excited because I am a fan of the game like that yeah, I'm a fan of yeah, these characters I wanted to hang out with them more mm-hmm. and so it was like oh my god I get to do that <laughs> like it's yeah. so great so all I wanted was like more content about them and so yeah. getting to make that was like heck yeah <laughs> really love exciting. That. and that's on manifesting everybody remember yeah. If you just put it out there every once in a while, mm-hmm. that's the question, right? That's our, I guess our generation's yeah, version the of the secret question is tweeting or whatever. it out. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a, the secret. That's it. The secret. That's it. I Twitter yeah. one good thing once. We did it. That's it. And it's that's all, all been worth all it, given. Twitter. Ever since. That's right. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Now, now, of course, as an avid gamer and a lover of the Mantis crew, uh, the excitement level obviously through the roof. Uh, but did you find that simultaneously there was more pressure to be writing for this world? You had quite literally played it. Like, you walked through it. You knew what it felt like. You knew what it sounded like. Um, or did all that stuff just add to the excitement of getting to write for these characters? Yeah, I mean, I think it made me really excited. I, I think but my overwhelming feeling was really excitement. The awesome. pressure, I think, came from the fact that this was actually my first adult novel. I've written... Uh, sure. novels for like a middle grade age group before mm-hmm. for a YA age group before but it was my first adult novel um and so I the pressure for me and the personal pressure really came from Tom being like I know you can do this like I Tom being like I know you can do this but me being like can I do this like I, I'm about mm-hmm. to find out um, <laughs> right <laughs> here I go uh yeah. and kind of just diving in head first to mm-hmm. you know and I've written I, I, I'm going to say adult content. I don't mean that in like the explicit way. I mean like content for people who are over, you know, like not yeah, teen books. The long I, you know, yeah. I've, yeah, I've, I've written like, con, like, like you said, I wrote for Rick and Morty. Like I've written mm-hmm. Call of Duty. Like I've written, mm-hmm. you know, um, in that genre or like age category before, but a whole novel yeah. is like a really different thing. Right. So I just, I kind of got in my own head about it, I think a little bit, um, but I managed. <laughs> yeah, that was well, that was kind of like, where my personal pressure came from. I think. Yeah, which I think is is great too, because I think that there's you know, like you said, the collaborative nature of novel writing with you and Tom as editor, and like and like of knowing that there is this whole community that's also very ready for your book. That it has been like you know, hey, of course you wanted these characters because so did everyone else, and yeah. and like there's Star Wars publishing is so fun. Because we all get to see that, you know, every novel announcement, obviously. Yeah. I, I'm sure that day is burned into your brain when, when they showed totally. the cover and Sam Max is writing a book. Everyone's like, oh, my God, the Mantis crew is coming back. Like, totally. That level of, you know, I guess excitement for us, too. So reciprocal excitement, I guess, that is kind of a, a way lot. that we can have that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, we mentioned her already. We got we got to dive right into Marin. I mean, this she. Yeah. You're, you already said it best. She is a character, huge fan favorite, relative lack of screen time, um, but did so much in what she did. Something that you have very well rectified in Battle Scars, everybody. There's, there's a lot of Marin in this book. <laughs> um, so you, you kind of touched it on a bit, but on a deeper level, what is it about her specifically as a character that drew you in as a player? And then as you got in her mind, quite literally writing the next chapter of her story, what about her drew you in even more when you got to know her like on the page? I think that we so rarely um, in media as a whole, to be honest, get to see stories from the perspective of women who are kind of bad. Yes. <laughs> like Marin is like oh, a right. little bit evil, <laughs> you know, like her yeah, powers come from the dark side. Like, yeah. Yeah. Death the mirror is bathed in the dark, the light of the dark side. Like it's not, she's not like 
she has a lot of feelings that are like a little bit <laughs> not great necessarily. And I think in Star Wars, especially, I mean, the novels, obviously we have books like Phasma and Delilah's new Inquisitor novel coming out. It gives mm-hmm. us more of a chance to kind of delve into these other kinds of stories. But for the most mm-hmm. part in Star Wars, we're seeing stories from the Jedi's perspective, right? Um, which is like a real, it's real good guy energy. <laughs> yeah, um, true, true. You know, and especially for women, I, I, for me, it was really exciting to see a character who like was, was kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> definitely. A little bit of an asshole sometimes. <laughs> and yeah. like, I just loved that about her. And I immediately kind of wanted to know like, what made her this way? What was her experience mm-hmm. like growing up? Uh, how is she dealing with this trauma? Because while while the Mantis is really like trauma, the ship, um, yes. <laughs> like oh ev- everybody on there is dealing with stuff. Bless um, you know, Seer and Cal are dealing with it from a very Jedi perspective, which is like, mm-hmm. don't feel badly about bad things, you know. Oh, you can't well dwell in negative feelings, or it's going to mm-hmm. take you down a dark path, or whatever. Whereas Marin, like doesn't have that philosophy um but she's only been around people for the last couple of years who do and so it was interesting for me to think about like how would not only like a normal like a normie like Grease but also like Mm -hmm. someone who's kind of kind of a little bit evil like Marin feel about like having to work through these traumas and her feelings around like the goody goodiest (laughs) Of, of people <laughs> like Seriously. it's probably gonna make her feel like maybe she can't deal with her emotions in the way that she necessarily mm-hmm. needs to or that she's a bad person for wanting to be angry or yeah. uh you know which is a normal emotion to feel when bad things happen to you like uh that that was it was really fascinating to me to think about like dark side user best friends light side user on ship together <laughs> what does that yeah. look like and that, and of course, you know, there's so much of that in the in the book, like the Cal and Marin stuff is is so fascinating. And then, of course, in the game, is what people you know drew us in so much is, is seeing that that shimmer uh, of that. And for for Cal being that character that throughout his whole youth was like dark side bad, dark side bad. And us as audience who saw you know Luke cut Vader's hand off and turn to the Jedi, like dark side bad, dark side bad. Yeah. And now we're all kind of growing and being like, okay, interesting. You know, you don't have to be good to be good i guess in yeah. a way like you can you can have full feelings and i think there are a lot of people that are going to read this book that have gone through you know maybe not an entire obliteration genocide of their own sure. people yeah, yeah, yeah. but pretty bad stuff, bad stuff. Can be like you know what yeah I, i'm kind of pissed and that's okay yeah. um yeah. you know you it gotta fire in you for like, a reason it's true and it was one of my favorite things about writing the fifth brother um pov in this book as well which is that i really got to indulge like my worst the last jedi love and and tendencies through him uh which was very much him being like you know the jedi order caused some real personal trauma to him in his past he is a real Mm -hmm. understandable vendetta against them that i got to Mm -hmm. kind of come up with in this book which was a really cool opportunity um to flesh him out a little bit more but like i really got to be like hey you know what the jedi are bad I think the yeah. Jedi might be bad, actually. And I got to like explore <laughs> that element too, which like mm-hmm. I kind of feel, <laughs> you know, personally. Yeah, I'm definitely. like Jedi suck in a lot of ways. Um I and so it's fun to like Yeah, maybe maybe a new thing that isn't that. I don't know. Um yeah. so it was like 
it was fun to be able to explore both of those perspectives, which again, it's not to say that the Sith are good. I'm not condoning sure, sure. Sith either or the fifth brother. Yeah. But like he certainly also thinks he's the good guy and the hero yeah. in this book, um, yeah. which I think is important in any antagonist. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah. So he, he was also really interesting to look at as like a, a dark side user and getting to dive into their head spaces a little bit was pretty fun. Yeah. And, and it showed too, especially like God, his scenes, his POV scenes were so fun because, like you say, no, no one thinks they're the villain of their own story, right? Like they're, yeah, they, everyone yeah. thinks they're the protagonist, and everyone else is dumb or in the way or evil or or what have you. And yeah, um, he, he gets pretty intense in a lot of it, which is really fun. And obviously, you know, it, you you enjoy you talked about how much you enjoy digging into the dark side stuff and kind of feeling that out. And I want to ask, how much of that derives from the renegade options in Mass Effect being really fun? This is that is such a great question. I don't know if that necessarily was like front of mind for me <laughs> as I was thinking about it, but like I do sort of feel like upon reflection, I simply wrote Marin as Renegade Shepherd. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal to to realize. <laughs> yeah. She's pulling the right trigger every time. She's just gonna see it. She knows what to do. No, you're absolutely uh, right. And she's just like, you know, it's really fun killing people. I love this yeah. for me. Like, yeah. Still good we'll- mission. The mission will get done. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're bad guys. So whatever. Like, yeah, no, you're totally right. No, I <laughs> want so. it. No, I want it, guys. Okay, mod community. I know you're out there. In Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the Marin skin. We are waiting for it. Just do it. We know you. You know, it'll take it's you gone. five hours. Just do it. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, of course, Marin also, uh, majorly in this book, opens the door for a significant amount of uh, queer representation in Battle Scars, um, something that has been growing um, in the Star Wars community and the gaming industry Definitely. over the years, of course. Um, yeah. So as you've been a part of it for so long, seeing it from when it was n- not great, um, how have you seen the love and support for this community really grow and evolve in your years, both covering nerd culture, being enmeshed in gaming, and in Star Wars? It's been really great. Um, you know, I, I think this is another probably part of the reason why I was front of mind when it came to this book, but like Respawn envisioned Marin as pansexual from the jump upon her mm-hmm. creation. Um, there are lines that hint at it in the first game a little bit. They don't have the space to super get into it in a AAA action adventure game, obviously. Right. Um, so one of their priorities with this book was establishing Marin as pansexual canonically. Um which was great and really exciting for me as a queer creator. It's it's something that's really important to me in all of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Star Wars especially has been so wonderful. I mean, at, to your point, I've worked in a lot of IPs. I've worked with a lot of IP holders. And Star Wars stands out as the one that is the most committed to being progressive with their representation in a way awesome. that feels really genuine. Like they... Mm-hmm they they care like they really care uh and you can tell i can tell when working with story group and like you can really tell i think in a lot of their content and that was the case here too i never got any pushback on any any of that in in fact like mm-hmm. like i say it was like a, kind of a core tenant of the the book to begin with yeah um, so it was really really nice and i have obviously the book is not out in wide release yet um, but from a lot of the like early reviews, uh, it seems like people feel really positively about the fact that uh, Marin does have a relationship with another woman in the book, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think 
you know, I'm, it's important to me to put that stuff into everything that I make because I didn't have that representation when I was yeah. younger, uh, would have made a really big difference in my life. And so it's a, it feels like a real responsibility for me now as a content creator. Um, and also like, I don't know, the streets got a lot of spice in Star Wars. I had to, True. I had to look at that gold bikini, same as everybody else did. <laughs> The men got to be horny in Star Wars. Maybe now so can the gays. Exactly. <laughs> That's I, what I'll say it, about that. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what, as a, as, as a straight white blonde dude, I've never had a problem wondering if I'm in a galaxy far, far away. You know, like it's never been a question. Yeah, and, it's, a and it's so great. Yeah, like there's so many people now that are going to grow up in the world of battle scars and of all these shows and of aftermath and of all like these books and to be yeah. like, Oh, that's just been Canon. That's yeah. it's not a new thing. It's just part of the homework that you got to do to start. Yeah. And it's like so exciting that that's just established now. It does almost feel silly too in a, in a galaxy with many aliens to be like, and people are really caught up about gender when it's like, what do people's bits even look like? We don't even, they're aliens. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so. exactly. Until we get the, the reference book of, of Star Wars bits, which I'm sure is coming a couple years down from That's Inside Edition. Awesome. There you go. Free idea. Easily. <laughs> no, of course, we also have uh, the, the cover boy himself. Uh, our, our glorious, precious Cal Kestis uh, is in this book. Uh, he's grown literally and figuratively since we last saw him uh, running beard, from Darth Vader. A beard, oh, the beard, <laughs> some the, the hair options. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. There's uh, some good ones. I don't. I can't even mm. express to you what my favorite one is. But it's real dirt baggy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like my, my TikTok feed is the thirst traps, and they're just gonna be immense. Um, but gosh, pre-order April. Um, but I want to ask you, what, what kind of conversations did you have, uh, with the publishing team and, and respawn folks about where he is in his journey now and how battle scars mm. could like help lead readers and gamers into survivor. Um, like, but did they also mention like, there might be people that go straight from fallen order. So, so what was that balance like of his story? Yeah. Respawn was really, really wonderful. Um, providing me with, um, Respawn and Lucasfilm both provide me with a walkthrough of like the full story for Survivor, um, as well as a lot of their initial documentation for like his Cal's original like character sheet, basically, and like the way that they envisioned him Sweet. when they developed him. So I had kind of like these two, the two points, like the start point and the end point for him. And it was mm -hmm. really fun to look at those and to be able to say like, okay, well, how does he get from here to hear and also mm -hmm. why was he the way that he was in fallen order like yeah. part of the thing about a video game is that you don't have a lot of time for interiority like what we know about cal is that he's really earnest like he's mm -hmm. been through a lot but he stays positive we don't get a lot of time to ask like but why and like why yeah. was that his response why is that his defense mechanism what are the issues with that? How do other people that he is around all the time feel about that? Um, the, right. the game necessarily doesn't have the time to get into that. That's what the like opportunity of a book is, is that you get to be yeah. like, and now five pages of his deep thoughts, you know, <laughs> which so you can't, great. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have time. You don't have time right. for that in a cutscene. You just don't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, yeah. have, we have a plot to get to. Um, exactly. We got to get you back on the sticks. Um, yeah. So I got ponchos to find. I got I got things to dude, do. I'm telling you, <laughs> so many. So it was, it was cool to be like, how does somebody 
so earnest. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the marketing material around Survivor has talked about, you know, it's a little darker um, mm-hmm. than than the first game. And, mm-hmm. you know, how does Ernest Cal uh, end up in a game that is a little darker? Uh, and what does yeah. that mean for him? And why, like, what has happened sort of to this big happy family, um, which, you know, families fight when you're mm-hmm. around somebody for years on end in a very small space <laughs> and you all come from very different places and you all yeah. are sort of all working in service of the same goal but also like kind of for different reasons mm-hmm. uh and maybe have different have figured out different solutions to what you perceive as the same problem um this is there are bound to be rifts that form mm-hmm. and i think cal's yeah. impulse is to bury them, is to not talk yeah. about them. Because Cal wants everything to be okay all the time. But that yeah. that causes more problems because eventually an outside force uh, will force you, so to speak, to, they they will be brought to the surface, whether you want them to or not, um, sooner rather than later, often. So that's kind of like where we are in the book. But no, the, the game team was wonderful and um, Lucasfilm was a real asset and kind of acting as a go-between there and uh yeah it was nice to kind of get their initial thoughts on all of the characters really um before diving into their headspaces god i bet god it's just so cool to like think about those actual meetings happening and and i, and I do want to say that what you just mentioned you know about how they all react to uh their their mission and purpose there's a, a very specific scene in the book which obviously you wrote and you know that i'm thinking of it. no spoilers <laughs> yeah. um but there is a very uh intense moment where it all comes to fruition and uh mm. all the characters get a little time to shine uh in that scene which which i which i really enjoyed so so look forward I to that folks that, that is very very clear um <laughs> yeah Gree is rocking again everybody thinks he's a hero right <laughs> yeah exactly Grease, exactly Grease through this whole book is like Grease was right if you just listened to him to begin with <laughs> none of this would listen been- <laughs> <laughs> all right can you all just sit down Shut up! I mean, yeah. fly, like all he wants is Salt to have like, a peaceful food. day. Salt your food. <laughs> oh God! And run yeah, away I... from your problems. <laughs> if if y'all aren't team Grease from the first game, one, I don't trust you. But two, so, so you true. absolutely will be after reading this book. Uh, going to fall or going to Survivor rather. It was um, so fun to write. Those were the chapters that I wrote the fastest because it was just like, oh, yeah? it was so easy to write him. <laughs> like His voice is so clear too. Yes. And, and we ha- and, I, and I had the pleasure of um, uh, receiving the audiobook early as well. And oh, the performance nice. of Grease is so spot on. Oh, I'm so, I haven't the listened annoyance. to the audiobook yet. Oh, I, I have great. to, I need, to, an awesome I need to get job. my hands on it. Yeah. Wonderful. It's a lot of fun. Oh my God. Our, our precious man just, I hope he gets them to rest someday. Uh, Honestly. But of course, amidst all these characters we love and we know, there's a pretty major character who, who now has been in excerpts. So I'm pretty, I feel good about saying uh, his named Fret. Yes. Uh, that joins the crew um, pretty early on with the Mantis Squad. And I, I want to ask you, because we've obviously talked about how great it was to take these established characters mm-hmm. and get into their minds and know and love them. What was it like writing someone brand new that had to fit into this dynamic that fans knew we've loved we have been on this ship and now all of a sudden a person we haven't seen heard played with is now supposed to mesh how was how was that 
Yeah, it's funny. Fret serves that purpose kind of for the Mantis crew as well. I think she, I mean, she serves several purposes, but Mm -hmm. one of which is we were talking about all of these issues kind of roiling beneath the surface for a couple of years Mm -hmm. that have been causing greater and greater tension. Fret is sort of the outside force that comes in and forces everyone to confront uh, the problems that have been forming in their relationships with each other Mm -hmm. uh, and also some of the deep-seated issues within themselves that they like haven't necessarily been wanting to look at I mm-hmm. I'm reticent to say that Fret causes these problems because I I genuinely don't think that she does she shows up and she reveals mm-hmm. uh all of these problems that have already sort of these rifts that have already sort of been forming between the characters um right. and it forces them all to kind of take a long hard look at themselves and for cal to say like oh i feel a certain kind of way about seeing Marin with fred and like why is that or for seer to be like i'm having a lot of trouble trusting mm-hmm. why is that or for Marin to be like i'm immediately obsessed with this person mm-hmm. why is that um and also like what does that mean for our relationships with each other um yeah. how does it challenge what we all thought we wanted um you know, the Mantis crew is a ragtag found family situation. There was bound to be a newcomer eventually. There was mm-hmm. bound to be probably other newcomers in the future. They, they're not, it's not a closed system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And that's that's sort of the purpose of them also. Like they've all saved each other and they kind of exist to save other people too. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having Fret as as one of those moments Mm-hmm. uh felt important especially at this moment in the crew's journey like a couple of years after fallen order a couple of years before survivor um mm-hmm. as this sort of like disruptive force yeah oh and, and it shows and, it, and it's it, it is so fascinating to see like you say how they react to this force both internally and of course externally like mm-hmm. all these scenes of some of the members being very blunt about this is insane what are we doing and others being confused and others like of course Marion with the being being delightfully obsessed as you say um it's <laughs> such a fascinating dynamic and and it'll be so fun now i think one of the great things about books like these is that when you go into survivor if you've yes. read the book everybody this happened and you can watch now for the little you know the micro movements of the characters and like oh is this because they're remembering this certain event and certain things and yes and i like and i guess i, I want to i want to ask you before we kind of get to my my last bit here as a person who knows what's going to happen in the game, because like you said, you got the narrative and stuff, but of course now you're going to get the gold version. You're going to play it like the rest of us. Of course. What's it going to be like walking through a place that has ghosts of your mind, essentially, that you planted? I mean, it's pretty exciting. It is, it's interesting in a way because all of that existed before I wrote the book. You know what I mean? Sure. Like that story yeah. was already in place. Right. Um, so... For me, it was actually more of a a puzzle of putting things into the book that I knew were already going to be in the sure. game. Sure, yeah, that yeah, I yeah, could yeah. Then, like, sort of like retcon backwards, like, it's, oh, is that why Marin does her hair like that now? Or oh, is that yeah. why that's a part of like her outfit now? Or oh, is that like, is that? Uh, you know that the way that Grease is is part of like mm-hmm. that story from the but it was it was almost like being able to go backwards and add backstory to things that I knew were already going to exist. So I think sure. that is going to be kind of cool now going forwards again and being like, oh yeah, it worked. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, 
gosh, what, once I stop recording here, there are two things that just burst into my mind that I know you wrote in this book because of what were happening at Survivor. So. 100%. Yes, we will talk oh, about man. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, and, it's, and again, it makes Star Wars so fun. Like The multimedia aspect of it, that everything's kind of informing each other, is so exciting. Um, yes, but, I love that. I mean, we, and we've seen it with comics to novels and novels to shows and shows to movies and et cetera, et cetera. And getting to have this now to go from game to book to game is going to be so fun for folks. And uh, the last thing I want to ask you here, kind of let's yeah. wrap up. Um, one of the best things that we all love about games, of course, is the way that we're able to inhabit the lives and legacies of our favorite characters. Um, to bow our friend, fans, of course, character is so predominant. Um, <laughs> And now as a person who has written canon material in the Star Wars universe that will be linked to you for all time, um, what kind of legacy do you hope to leave on a galaxy far, far away? This is a great question. And it's a question no one else has asked me. So um, I love that. And I really appreciate it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I think that I want to be able to, I mean, I sort of mentioned this in the dedication to mm-hmm. Battle Scars, which is that like this book is about found family. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Star Wars as a whole, the the best parts of Star Wars or my favorite parts of Star Wars are about found family, are about people who are nobody, who are unimportant, um, who don't necessarily like think that they're important who are the last survivor on a decimated planet who are uh, a guy who drives a ship that was supposed to be a yacht (laughs) you know (laughs) um or like uh, a woman who failed her only student you know what i mean like or her Mm -hmm. favorite student or whatever like these people who feel like um they are failures or they've been abandoned or they don't have any meaning to the greater universe you know that they're able to go out and find people who love them and I think that like every story I probably tell in the Star Wars universe I want to sort of be about um the fact that even if your actual family um and I for the record like I have a wonderful relationship with my family (laughs) but like um this book this book is about essentially about like a queer relationship um yeah it's a it's a queer love story and i think that a lot of people in the queer community really resonate with the idea of found family because a lot of times you know they uh can't stay with their with their family um for a variety of reasons and i think that that's really important to me to uh you know write write a bunch of stuff in the star wars universe and that my legacy would be like um things are hard and you can find each other and that that's what makes it okay um Mm -hmm. i think that would be that would be pretty dope also uh they let me name the fifth brother's planet that was cool so that'll live on forever (laughs) also (laughs) nice (laughs) Um, immortalized yes 
I mean, <laughs> it's, it's also right. It's like, I want to name a planet. Naming character is just, all yeah, things always, they resonate <laughs> in my soul. I'm like, oh God, how amazing. That's, that's the cool stuff. <laughs> the other stuff is like deep and whatever, yeah, but yeah. like, uh, you know, that, that, also that. <laughs> yeah, like, like everyone, don't worry if life's hard. There will always be a mantis that will find you and yeah, man. will love you. But also, this is on Wikipedia forever. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, everybody, uh, Battle Scars is out today. Um, I hope that you're listening to this on your way to get it or you already <laughs> have it. Maybe you, you maybe are you a Kindle reader that got it at midnight? Are you an audiobook or whatever it may be? Um, let us know, of course, all your thoughts about the book. And Sam, if people want to tell you directly how much they love it or they want to follow along with what you got coming out next with your i'm sure very restful uh, not busy at all schedule totally. um <laughs> what's the most place place to find you and what should we keep our eyes out for this coming year yes i am just my name on twitter and instagram sam mags that's s-a-m-m-a-g-g-s i'm sam writes a lot on tiktok and i have a bunch of projects coming out that and none of which i can talk about right now unfortunately um but you know, uh, Battle Scars has been front of mind for me for a really, really long time. So uh, if you pick that up, that would uh, that would really mean a lot to me. And I hope everybody digs it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, everyone, uh, thank you, Sam, for, for coming on to thank talk so about... Thank you so much. Of course, like, we got to do a little bit of Star Wars in the midst of our Dragon Age talk, so I appreciate so it. <laughs> um, everyone, go pre-order Dreadwolf. And I wait to talk to you again. Thanks so much, Sam. You too. Thanks, Eric. There is no hatred, there is joy. There is no division, there is union. There is no apathy, there is passion. There is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember... The Force will be with you, always.